Hi, everybody. Um, my name is David Coughlin. Welcome to the first of the Inspired Marketing Group podcasts. Uh, I'm joined by my business partner, Richard. Hello. Hello. And uh, we thought it might be a bit weird if we were um, going to interview ourselves for our first podcast. So what we've done is we've enlisted the help of um, a tame former journalist uh, who switched over to, to the dark side of PR and um, Greg Simpson from Press Retention. Thank you, Greg, and welcome. Morning. So Greg's going to do the, the sort of the dirty work of asking the questions and trying to make us sound interesting. Um, so I'll hand over to you. Thanks for that. No pressure. So I'll be in the Paxman role today, guys, if you're okay with that. <laughs> um, before I get started on, on some of the questions, um, I had looked through the website, obviously, in a fair bit of detail, Richard, and I've got a very pressing question to ask you, which you don't talk about a lot. Um, scoring at Wembley. <laughs> Tell I, me more. I, don't, I don't talk about that at all uh yeah that, that was what 2010 uh, when i was working for eon uh, we'd sponsored the fa cup for a set period of time and um we got this opportunity every year to play at wembley and basically i said to the corporate director at that time um i don't mind organizing this but there's one condition and uh, <laughs> what's the condition then i said i'm playing uh, pretty much, yeah, that was it. And uh, yeah, boyhood dream came true. And yeah, I don't mention it whatsoever, but I will send you the videos of me scoring. And I think <laughs> my Facebook profile of me actually scoring at Wembley. So yeah, don't talk about it at all. <laughs> Dave, is there anything you want to disclose? 400 oh, no, meter badge? Uh, yeah, I think, no, I, I, no, I did do my 400 meter. Definitely did my 200 meter. I was, um, yeah, my towel was adorned with, uh, with swimming badges. I've also got my cycling efficiency as well. So, um, you know, I can I can do a triathlon almost, although I'm shockingly bad at running. And a bit of a DJ. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, my study is actually, it's more spacious now because I've moved my records uh, into another part of the house. But um, but yeah, used to, used to do that. That was good fun, bars and clubs and stuff. Uh, did a bit of radio DJing as well. That was my, my dream from university. But... Um, Obviously, everybody wants to be a DJ. And then after a few years of not becoming a superstar, I figured I should probably go and get a job. And uh, that's where I kind of fell sideways into marketing. But not, not that it's a competition, but you had a dream <laughs> and didn't achieve it. My <laughs> there we go. <laughs> There's still time, Richard. There's still time. I can exclusively reveal I actually turned down the chance to appear for Manchester United at Old Trafford. Wow. Uh, te technically, technically, it was a supporters group asked me to play, and uh, it was live on Sky, and I didn't fancy it. <laughs> no way. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, chickened out. Um, so, from cycling proficiency to marketing proficiency, um, how did your careers evolve? Where did you start? How did you get to your most recent roles in house and where you are today? Uh, I'll go first because mine's probably more meandering than Richard's. Um, so, like I said, wanted to be a radio DJ or a superstar DJ. Uh, that didn't work out. Uh, I've played squash all my life as well. So I used to play squash when I was a little kid. And um, when I first moved to Nottingham, uh, I went and joined Nottingham Squash Club and I was lying on the floor, actually, at the club, completely uh, done in. And there was a, a notice on the wall saying that system manager wanted. And I thought, oh. I can do that. I need a job and I play squash for business and pleasure. So I did that. Um, and that was pretty cool. Not for profit, SME business, obviously business and pleasure. So, you know, do some work and then go play squash. It was great. But as a small business, like most small businesses, no people, no money, 
Um, however, my remit was responsible for getting new members through the door, making some money. Um, so without any people and without any money, how, how was I going to do that? So that's when I sort of started to learn marketing at a very basic level out of necessity. Um, got all right at that and then thought I would quite enjoy it. Went and did a CIM course in the evenings and then um, I started you know, presenting to the board each month about how the sales are going and the activity I was doing and the FD of the squash club took me to one side and said, doing a pretty good job here, Dave. I'm setting up a consultancy. I wonder if you fancy coming in and leading on the marketing side. Yes, brilliant. So jumped ship, became self-employed. Um, all the terror that that involves, you know, the roller coaster of, you know, am I going to make enough money to pay the mortgage each month, which was, you know, hairy, but, um, you know, invaluable sort of lesson. Um, did that for a couple of years and then um, managed to get a job in corporate land at Experian, which was, again, totally different, but something I really wanted to do because it was, I'd done the SME stuff most of my life and I wanted to sort of see how, um, how marketing was done in a better corporate environment. So joined Experian, uh, spent three years there, and that's actually where I met Richard. So um, that was my first introduction to Richard. Richard was my boss at the time. We did some good stuff. Um, and I was eventually awarded the B2B Marketer of the Year for Experian UK, which is pretty cool. It's on my CV and the award is on my shelf just up there still. Um, so then I left there. I was headhunted for a uh, fintech, a VC-backed fintech based in Nottingham um, called Openworks, where I was brought in to head up marketing and acquisitions for them. Um, really early stage business. I think I was employee 11. Um, again, like I say, equity backed. So we had some money to go and go and try some stuff. And in the four years I spent there, we, we pivoted that business model sort of five times. So test, learn, validate. Really, again, unbelievable learning curve. Um, really sort of, and that's become sort of foundational in how I approach stuff in terms of, you know, learning quickly, failing fast, and then moving on and uh, iterating. And then it was while I was working, working there, um, that I bumped into Richard, I think in Tesco, in Nottingham. What are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm working next door at uh, Robin Hood Energy. It's like, oh, we should have a chat. So uh, then uh, Richard, as he, as he himself said, started courting me um, <laughs> to come and join him uh, at Robin Hood. And obviously, yeah, having worked with Richard before and, you know, really enjoyed it. We did some really brilliant stuff. Um, it was a, a great opportunity to step sort of sideways into a different um, industry, into the energy sector. So, yeah, I went to, went to join Richard at Robin Hood. And, um, you know, Robin Hood is a great business, great sort of uh, concept. I think the, um, it didn't quite uh, fulfill its ambitions. And I think um, the sort of the complexity of the, the challenging nature of the energy industry um, eventually sort of, Paid, paid for that business but obviously you know again Rich and I did some amazing work and the team there we really really performed well I think we did as well as we possibly could have in, in, in quite difficult circumstances but um, yeah so that got Richard and I talking about you know what do we do next and we really enjoyed working together we've done some great stuff so um, we both I think Richard texted me but I was almost sort of writing out the same text at the same time saying hey why don't we start a business together doing marketing so um that's where we are today so that's my journey Very a bit more, bit more formal yeah mine's mine's all over the shop yeah, yeah. energy is the key theme richard and that seems to be the case with you as well 
Yes, and I think that's the thing. My, I, I kind of uh, carved out a career in marketing, um, but based on strategic moves, really. So I, I did a, going back to university, I did a business degree, which covered everything from law, economics, finance, HR, and marketing was obviously some of those modules. And it was really enjoyed the marketing side of it. And I'm, I'm a sucker for marketing. I, I, get, I get sucked into all of like the latest tech and all of that stuff. And, and I really see the power of it. Um, so really enjoyed those modules, graduated from university, um, but as many people have that issue, uh, just couldn't actually get a role in marketing. Um, mm. So I joined a finance company in Nottingham, um, and but, but then again was quite strategic in what I was doing, where I tried to align myself to the sales and marketing team, did a bit of a secondment over there to work out how they were selling into all of their retail stores, um, but again, it was quite a small company, so it didn't at that time, so it didn't go anywhere in terms of me getting into marketing. Um, and at that point, I moved to what was PowerGen, which is obviously now Eon. Um, and the reason I moved was it was a project management role, which is a core discipline of marketing, but it was implementing projects which the marketing team would deliver. So I, was, I would implement a price change which the marketing team led on, but I would do it for the customer service element and make sure that the customer service teams are all up to speed and engaged. So I was kind of working for, but not, but not working um, as part of the marketing department. And my, my big break came probably 37,000 feet above, I'm guessing Leeds at that point, maybe. I was flying from Nottingham to Glasgow uh, with a head of marketing, uh, Eon, uh, to implement a, um, implement a price change. At that point, we had an outsourced team in Glasgow. And what I didn't realize at that point was uh, I was actually being interviewed for a role, but I didn't actually know it. Uh, and I was, and I actually still talk to her now. And actually, I was being pummeled for want of a better word on the plane in terms of you know trying to tease out my marketing experience. And by the end of the week up in up in Tannockside, um, she was like, I've, "I've got a role if you want to apply for it." And uh, yeah, so I got my, that was my first sort of big break. I actually achieved my first ever title as, a, as campaign manager for, for Eon. And, and for that, I, I, you know, I've said it on, on the profile online, forever, forever grateful. Um, Eon opened me up to a world of opportunities from acquisitions to mergers. So I, I led the, 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 the purchase of economy power and migrating that back into the, into the Eon base. Uh, we won't talk about Wembley, but again, worked on the FFP <laughs> on sponsorships and, and, and did a stint at Eon, which was circa, circa 10 years uh, to the point where I was, you know, senior campaign manager, uh, pretty much doing, you know, everything for, for, the, for the business and I had a great team there as well. Um, at that point, I moved to British Gas. Um, I think British Gas were... Um, they were they were seeing Eon taking a lot of market share from their business division, um, and they they went through a bit of a crusade where they they took a lot of the experienced people from Eon uh, to British Gas to replicate what we did there. But again, that was going from small budgets to multi million pound budgets. It was a bit more of a digital element there. It was working for a big brand. It was working for um, sort of commercial um, boiler installs as well as energy. So quite a quite a diverse role. Um, and I was at British Gas for short to two years um, in reality. Um, and about, I left as head of base marketing for the, for the business division. And I think at that time, I took the decision that I worked in energy for near on probably 13 out of my 15, 16 years ex working experience. 
And I didn't want to be institutionalized. I didn't want to be just that energy marketeer. I needed to get something else on my CV to, to, to be able to, um, to be able to sort of um, advance further in life. And I really hate that when people ask that question of, oh, you work in energy. Are, are there any transferable skills you can put into what, into this industry? And it's like, marketing is marketing. It's the same principles. It's just a different audience. And, it, and, and actually, you know, Dave talked about it. I, I took Dave into the energy business. He had no energy experience. But actually, that's what I really love about, you know, bringing people in because they look at it from an SMG point of view or they look at it from a different point of view and go, what about this? And it, and it just opens your eyes more. So bugbear of mine, but, but yeah, that's, you know, uh, left to join experience. Dave touched about first sort of met Dave there. Went for experience for three years and, and then was uh, headhunted to join Ariva. Um, and this was my, you know, this was this was a massive step up for me um, in 2015, where I became a registered director of four of Ariva's PLC uh, companies, um, responsible for 3,000 employees across 20 different locations, looking after the, the marketing element of that as the marketing director, but also having that responsibility of running a business and actually caring about engineering and MOTs and, and everything which goes in terms of, you know, drug testing for HR and all of that. You know, you had to care about that and you, you really wanted to care about that as a, as a director because you were, you, you were liable for it. But it's, uh, it, yeah, it really opened my eyes into, I love marketing, I love running a business and, you know, you know it helped get to, to where we are today. And I guess after three years, I was like, I was traveling a lot. I had a young family. I was traveling up to Sunderland, spent, you know, spending, you know, days, weeks in Sunderland at a time and not really seeing my family. Um, and, you know, Ariba was a bit more of a B2C environment. And my background prior to that was all B2B. An opportunity came at Robin Hood where it was, it was primarily B2C with a bit of B2B in there, but actually owning sales channels as well. So, you know, I, I was looking after acquisition and, and marketing. So I took that opportunity to... It was probably the ethos and the opportunity to work in sales and marketing was the only reason I'd ever go back into the energy industry. And I was, I was honest about that. But yeah, um, so I worked at Robin Hood for two years prior to their sort of um, purchase from um, British Gas, uh, which is deeply ironic when yeah. I was um, working with my old team at British Gas to actually migrate <laughs> the over and ultimately make myself in London. It was, a, it was a bit of a weird situation, but everyone was very grown up professional about it. And it was great to sort of talk to them all again and see how they'd progressed. And as Dave said, won't touch it too much, but we were, we were chatting. I realised that, you know, I love the variety. I love helping businesses um, and, and, and yeah, I'm honest on my profile as well. I get, I get a bit bored when things are working really well. I love to go into a business, you know, got a problem, get it working, turn it around and, and have that buzz and then move on and move on and move on. And I think that coupled with working with Dave, this is the third time now and, you know, without a doubt, the best person I've ever worked with, it all just felt right in the middle of a pandemic to, to the whole country's on its knees let's start a new business start. exactly so, yeah, so that's, 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 i started yeah. in 2008 yeah oh nice yeah yeah, yeah, on, yeah on april good. fool's day i might add you <laughs> which gives me opportunities and headlines um, you're talking uh, i can feel it and we're talking about energy and your energy and your love of marketing richard was looking on your profile again outside of wembley um and you use a phrase um, that you get twiddly thumbs yeah. when marketing is sort of seen as a top table discussion. Yeah. And it's been at a senior level. Do you explain a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, actually. So a lot of the businesses which I've actually joined, marketing, they've had a function, but they've, they've not really. So take Ariva for argument's sake. Um, marketing was, was never a director-level position, and I joined it as a director-level position, but it was the first time it had been a director-level position. So you've obviously got to fight for your... Um, for your voice and you've got to you've got to really prove your worth and 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 I guess what I've always done probably way back Experian was very good at drilling that into me to be fair in terms of metrics and real you know return on investment that's all that's all we used to talk about and that, that's not that's not a negative statement at all um, and, and I think you know when I joined Robin Hood, there was no metrics in reality in terms of sales or, or website hits or, you know, right. we were doing activity, but where, where was the, what I would call measurable analytics? Where was the, you know, what I've spent this and I've delivered that, or this is actually done, has uh, driven that and the, the lead leaders and leading indicators of what you're doing. And I love that feeling in reality of dropping into a business and going, oh my God, like I can't, I can't even justify my role here because there's nothing I can do to go, right, actually we've done this and delivered that. And it's real hard work, but I, but I kind of, you know, love to build a team up which can deliver that, you know, have, have metrics which really drive your um, sort, of, sort of experience and, 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 and impact on the business. But the, if I'm honest, the twiddly thumb bits comes into that is, is once you got there, it's almost like, yeah, this is all working really well now. And But I, I kind of, I get I get the twiddly thumbs on the fact that it's just working. And I'm a bit like that. My wife, paranoid about it at home with DIY. It's just like, are you doing another plug? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like, that's what it works like in, in, my, in my marketing career is if I'm just reporting, yeah, this is going up, that's going up, great, sales going up. Maybe it becomes a bit boring to me. And I love that. Do you know what? We are nowhere. How do I get us to the top? And, uh, and once we're there, I think it is an opportunity to go, right, hand it over to somebody to just to run the day-to-day business and go on and, and try and do it for another business. And I guess that's where the Inspired Marketing Group comes in. Uh, we, we can do that, you know, how we work in terms of, you know, done for you or, 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 or done with you really fits in the fact that we can get it there and then we can just hand it off to the in-house teams or whatever to, to deliver. And yeah, twiddly thumbs, definitely. So twiddly thumbs to the colouring in department, Dave. That's the phrase you've used. You are so much more than the colouring in department. 100%. Why did did where did the idea come from to set up the new company, uh, and where did it come from, and why did you do it? So I guess um, it's it's interesting because this the concept of the Inspire Marketing Group is the fact that you know everybody is uh, my my view for a long time. So I'm going to go back right. So. My personal opinion is I hate the clock watching nine to five. You've got to be at your desk. You know, that is not how, um, in my view, 90% of businesses in in the UK today or for the last five, 10 years um, could operate. You know, we live in, we live in the knowledge economy. We're not at machines making widgets anymore. So something that used to get right up my nose, you know, throughout my career is kind of, you know, when somebody gets told off walking in at five past nine, but no account for the fact that they're there until half six, seven o'clock at night. It, it's the, the metric of time for me is, is wrong. So that's a fundamental thing. Then um, when I was at OpenWorks, because it was venture backed, they had a portfolio of companies. 
um, sort of 2030 in their in their group. And what they used to do each year was they create something called BC Build, and they get a cohort of um, sort of future leaders together from all around the portfolio. And then they would they take that cohort of 20 odd people through a process to come up with a business idea, pitch the concept to the partners, um, and you know anything that had legs, they would they would back. You know, there were businesses that have been backed by these guys for for millions of pounds to develop it into a business. So. My, my pitch as part of that was um, a distributed agency. So it was a marketing agency that with people all over the place, centralized around a platform where um, businesses could, could say, well, I, I need this or I've got this requirement. And then from the pool of experts, which could be anywhere in the UK or globally, the team would assemble around the client. Um, everybody gets paid for their time and for doing the job. The client pays um, you know, just to have that thing done. And then the team sort of dissolves after the project's complete. So that was sort of three or four years ago. And at the time, um, you know, the guys that sort of assessed it, so one being Dan Cobbley, who's a former MD of Google, he kind of gave, gave me some good feedback in terms of, you know, it's a good concept. And I think, you know, there's probably something there, but actually, um, you know, it's not very defensible. It's going to be, you know, anybody do it and people are want to gonna want in-house teams and, and blah 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 blah. So what what I so I kind of parked it, but I still it was still nagging away in my head that actually you know this there's no reason why that business model shouldn't work. So what happened obviously this or last year now in 2020 was obviously um almost attitude caught up with technology. So mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit uh in March and you know, basically the whole of the country was locked down and everybody was sent to work from home. Robinhood Energy is a prime example, right? A utilities business, a 150-person call centre, and a mindset amongst, you know, management that actually, you know, those those people can't work from home. Richard and I, we had laptops and, you know, we was, yeah, we can work from home. We're in marketing. You can go and uh, you maybe do that once a week. Um, but if you're working in a call centre, you've got to be at your desk, you've got to be with your team, you've got to be, you know, so when COVID hit, in the space of three weeks, yeah. 300 people, including a 150-person call centre, went from being 100% desk, uh, desk-based in an office to 100% remote working from home. And you know, inevitably, they were teed in trouble. But after that, for all intents and purposes, the business functioned exactly as it had um, from home. And everybody loved it. You know, people didn't want to go back to the office because, you know, they could take the kids to school. I can take my kids to school now. I can I go for a run. I can stupid stuff. Like I can load up the washing machine. I can, I can do those jobs. I can take an Amazon delivery. And it's from uh, from a lifestyle perspective, it's amazing. And obviously I'm not commuting. I'm not commuting to work. I'm not commuting back. I'm saving on petrol. I'm saving on, you know, I'm a sucker for a Pret lunch. I'm saving a flipping fortune <laughs> on Pret. So all of these things combining and, you know, you know, Richard, we we bumped into the um, CFO of Robin Hood uh, in a coffee shop, and we Richard said to him, he said, "Look, if I'd said to you I can save the business half a million quid, oh yeah, brilliant. How do we? What do we do? Well, make everyone work from home and close the offices. <laughs> You'd have been told to leave. You know, get out, you idiot. But um, but now that's a very viable option, and." Um, so I think the reason that launching a new business in a pandemic or, you know, the economic environment, all of the sort of horribleness that has gone around it, it's, it's 
perfect for our business model because everybody, both businesses, employees, have all now realized that actually they can work from home. People are productive. They're still delivering value. They can get more time with their family. They can enjoy their lives a bit more and they can still do a great job. And businesses are saving money on on overheads, on mm. business costs, on energy costs, on all of the associated costs. And, you know, it's not perfect for everybody. And I'm not saying that we should everybody should work from home. And, I, you know, I'm desperate to go and have a coffee or catch up. You know, I haven't seen Richard for six months. Um, so it, it's definitely a mix. But I think where the, the model, our model comes into its own is that you can go and handpick experts. You can pick the best person to do a very specific job for you and you're not limited to, you know, Nottingham or the East Midlands or the UK, right? If, if you want somebody that does something very specific and they're based in San Diego, we've got a, one of our partners is moving to Tokyo. You know, you can go and get that person and they can deliver that value for you regardless of where they are. So it's, it's actually really going to unlock the economy to make it, it global. Um, so it's re- we're, we're really excited. And I think it's, it's that sort of coming together of attitude, technology and um, societal change, which is, um, yeah, we hope really positive for our business model, but actually really positive for a lot of businesses. And I so think, when, Dave, sorry, sorry, Greg. I think that's the thing is that the, the barriers have been forcibly removed. Mm-hmm. So you, you talked earlier about, I've got to see my team. You've not seen your team for a year, but they've been productive. You've delivered work. You've probably delivered some of the best results you've delivered. So that barrier has been forcibly removed. Oh, my team, if they work from home, I can't see them. So therefore, you know, what, you know, what gets measured gets done. They'll, they'll, they'll just do, they'll do no work. Well, they've done work for the past year. Everything has been forcibly removed to make this model work. And actually, you know, we're never going to claim this, but it's, it's actually more environmentally friendly as well. You know, I'm not commuting. I'm not commuting five, six hundred miles a week to go to an office. I'm commuting 200 yards across the... Right, 200 yards. Like, <laughs> 200 well, yards <laughs> to, the west, to the west wing. This yeah, business has taken off in three months, guys. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I think it's, it was an interesting anecdote as well. We spoke to um, a potential client the other day who her business had acquired a a UK-based business, they'd acquired another business based in New Zealand. And they said, you know, obviously the team are all in New Zealand. And you said, in any other, in any normal circumstance, onboarding a team or trying to manage a team from New Zealand would have, you know, blown your mind. Mm-hmm. But she's like, makes no difference. They're on Zoom, exactly the same as my team. So all I've done is I've gone, right, well, I've got another 20 people and they happen to be on a different time zone. But uh, I'll have a call with them in the evenings or I'll have a call with them in the, in the morning. And just carry on as normal yeah and we were saying before you know you talk about presenteeism and you know railing against that this is about outcomes really and you, you, you know what gets measured um it to me it's actually far easier to to get outcomes when you are doing work like this because you're not messing around doing the usual stuff you would be doing in the traditional office yeah being seen to be doing things you are just getting on with tasks that are part of the wider project yeah. marketing is just creativity plus maths right so it does seem to lend itself very well to both your clients and also the experts that you're referring to do you see yourselves as kind of a where is the quality check because there's experts everywhere right you were saying tokyo um nottingham sheffield riches up in sheffield where does that come in where do you come in in terms of the client and the expert and making sure that people are who they say they are they are as good as they say they are, and they are what your clients need 
Sure. So, so the people that we work with, so we've got, we've already got 20 people in our team. Again, they're not employed. They're, they're freelancers. They run their own businesses. You know, they, they are, they're marketing experts in their own right. They've already got clients. They've already delivering value. You know, they're already credible people. Some of those people we already know we've worked with um, in previous lives, either, you know, where we've hired those, those people to work with us or we've worked with them as colleagues. Um, so that's that's the first tier. But what what we also do is we'll almost provide sort of a uh, an entry interview, if you like. So Richard and I, somebody can apply to to join the Inspired Marketing Group, um, and then Richard and I will interview them, and we will say, hey, tell us about you, what have you done, um, give us some examples of, of how you've succeeded, what industries you worked in, you know, what sectors, what's your specialisms. So um, we can quickly sort of and you know, Richard and I. Uh, We've interviewed enough people in our time that we can kind of hopefully sort out some of the, um, uh, you know, chances. But, um, you know, for most people, most people that, are, that approach us, like I say, they're credible people and they, you know, are already doing good jobs. The other sort of, um, it's more of a binary control is all of our people have to have professional indemnity insurance, yep. which is, it's something which, uh, you know, if you're doing something off the side of your desk or you're, you've got a side hustle, you're trying to do some marketing in your bedroom or, you know, you're not really going to have that. Have that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite a binary filter. But the sorts of clients that we work with, you know, corporate scale up larger businesses, that's the sort of professionalism that they want. Um, so you need to have invested at least that into your business as well. And the other the other thing is we we're going to charge our, our freelancers to join us. So if you want to be a part of our group, you need to pay a subscription. Now it's a, a nominal fee, it's sort of ten pounds a month. But again, what that does is you have to be committed, right? You have to say, "I'm going to invest in business development," of which your subscription to the Inspired Marketing Group is is one of your costs. Um, but again, if you're not um, dedicated to your craft, in that you know you're willing to pay for a subscription and for your indemnity insurance, again, that sort of that does help mm-hmm. us qualify out. Um, but then. Once people are in the group, so if we accept you, everybody starts at what we're calling our sort of entry level, which is uh, influencer. But then as you do great work, and this is based on client feedback. So when our clients tell us that, you know, this person's amazing, they've done an amazing job, you move up our, our, our levels. And as you move up the level, you earn more money. So um, you'll make more money the better the work you do. And similarly, if we get feedback from a client which says, that wasn't very good. That wasn't, you know, we'll, we'll, we can demote people back down those levels or we can ask them, you know, it's not really working out for either of us. So, um, sorry, we're going to yeah. let you go. There's an incentive there as well, isn't it? Because obviously as you move up the level, when you, when you get to the, to the top level, which is a, which is a IMG genius level, we we're looking, we're all, we've already built the foundations for, um, for almost like vertical sector leading actually, mm-hmm. almost like, um, profit share on the business so you know the more you invest into it the more you're going to get out uh, out of it and i think that drives a certain behavior that actually we want to deliver quality work and 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 obviously you know all of those at an influence level influence level dave and i will oversee that work as well so so there's there's always internal quality gates there because it's our brand it's our reputation which is which is at stake um and yeah, but I think, you know, just to summarise quickly what Dave said, the key point to me is that we can vouch for every person who is currently on our books at the moment because we yeah. have either employed them, directly worked with them or for them. Um, yeah. And that 
you know there's, there's a real community kind of sort of feel to it now so so yeah we're not putting someone we've never met into a business yeah yeah I, i've worked with them for two years and they are quality at that yeah what is it you're trying to achieve what's the big picture here one year three years five years ten there's a business objective there's a personal objective into mm-hmm. that and, yeah. and obviously jump in dave if i if i you know if i say something which is not sort of aligned to yourself but we we, we want to help sort of marketeers do the work they want to do and love um and i think that we've both been in in-house roles where things get loaded onto you which is not what you really want to do so you know you might for argument's sake you might be the marketing manager and then they need a bit of PR, so PR becomes part of your remit, but actually, I don't really like PR. I prefer digital marketing or whatever that looks like. So, you know, and, and, and again, it goes back to the community. A lot of the people we're working with have actually probably taken the side step out to create their own business yeah. in their niche they want to do. And the Inspired Marketing Group acts as a lead gen to their business, for want of a better word. So we're trying to help marketers do more of what they want to do. We are trying to get them sort of the, the wages which they deserve. So, so again, we, we don't really negotiate on, on day rates. We, we sort of say to them, you know, what do we charge? What do you charge? And then we align projects to, to day rates. So as an example, we've got designers which are, which are heavyweight, medium weight, lightweight designers, for argument's sake. Uh, and actually, depending on the client's budget, we may place different sort of experience there. But ultimately offer that choice to to the end client as well to say yeah we can get you someone at this price but actually for more experience and for that you might want to be looking at paying this price so so again it, it kind of and, and that helps businesses sort of grow we you know i i desperately love making businesses thrive and, and grow in, in 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 the world so we're, we're trying to trying to help that out and i know from personal experience that recruitment is an absolute well it takes so long and you are, you're sometimes sort of driven by, it's hassle, you're driven by, I've got a budget, but I can't get the right person with that budget. So I, do I do I settle and get someone in my budget or do I not and do it myself? Or do I go back and ask for more budget and get the person I really want? This business is about getting those RN clients the expertise and, and they pay for it when they need it. So actually you get the right person. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you want the best person in your business at any given time? Um, and then personally for me, you know, I, 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 I created it along with Dave to, 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 for it to be a lifestyle for want of a better word is the fact that, you know, I've commuted 300 miles a day in some experiences. That's not what I want to do, you know, and my time is much better spent, you know, eight o'clock this morning I was sat doing work mm-hmm. I would be in a car and actually if I want to if I want to sort of pick the kids up at three o'clock today I can do that and I can come back and I can do a bit of work in the evening to me it's about lifestyle but you know lifestyle but ultimately helping businesses get the right talent at the right price and driving the results I don't know your, your yeah. views today. yeah I mean we're, we're really aligned whenever we talk about this sort of stuff we always come out with the same sort of uh, hyperbole you know it's kind of helping people do more of the work they love. I want to do more of the work I love, right? I, I would much rather if I can do work with clients and do the things that I really enjoy, and but then I've got somebody sitting next to me, or you know, virtually sitting next to me as a part of the team to come in and do the stuff I don't enjoy. 
happy days, right? And then they're getting paid, I'm getting paid. Yeah, everybody's happy. And the client, like Richard says, they're getting the best people to do every single part, whatever they need. Um, and again, pers personally wise, you know, I think I want to work with great people. So I, I only want to work with great people. I want to work with great clients. I want to work, work with ambitious clients that have got, you know, ideas and, and sort of uh, exciting objectives. Um, and like Richard said, you know, I've got a young family too. I want to, I want to be able to play with my kids. I want to pick them up from school. I want to uh, drop them off in the mornings. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's the mix of all of that, which, which this business model allows us to, you know, deliver great work and enjoy our lives as well. You're talking about the values of yourselves, and, and I can feel like the, the values of your of, of the team that is getting built up. And you spoke about business development and the, the small subscription professional indemnity insurance marketing. I see. I would say this: marketing is an investment, not a cost. Do you see most people starting to get that, or is that mainly a client side point of view? Will the experts think that as well, or is this still education to do on the client side when you can prove the return on investment? It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because, you know, and I suppose that's where that's where our sort of um, our background really plays to our client strengths is the fact that we've sat there, <clears throat> we've been them, we we've had that situation where you know you've been offered targets and you you've you've accepted them and you're not quite getting there, and it, and it's you know you 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 understand the reasons why, but you 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 know you're trying to you're trying to um, you're trying to hit them. Dave and I at Robin Hood went through months and months and months and months of trying to convince people to invest in a new sales tool. We knew it would work. Uh, and actually, when, when it was finally signed up and delivered, it more than exceeded our expectations as well. Um, but it probably goes back to our values as a business is the fact that, and I guess that, you know, Dave touched on it, working with people. We want to work with people who get it. And when I say get it, get it can be, in a number of different guises. So one of our clients loves marketing, doesn't understand how it works, but understands the benefits of what it would like to deliver to our business. Come in, do it for us, and just show me the return on revenue. Brilliant. We want to work with businesses who are passionate about their businesses as well. You know, I don't, you know, if we're working with somebody who's like, yeah, I do this, but I'm not really interested, that's that we don't want to be with them because we're, we're fanatical about what we do as, as, as in marketing. So if you if you don't understand marketing, you don't understand how it can drive your business, but you've got the passion for your business, we can marry the two together and take you to where you want to get to. Um but yeah, it, it, it's a struggle, it's always a struggle, but I, I don't talk about cost. You know, every proposal we send out is this investment is and it will deliver why. Um, and if people get it, they get it. And if they if they see it as a cost, then I don't know, maybe maybe we're not the right sort mm. of business to work with potentially. Yeah. And in, you'll you you know what this gig is like. Um Greg, you 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 send stuff out and then that's it, you hear nothing more. But we again we we've made the decision really early on that we're not 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 going to chase because we're going to follow up with things, but we're not going to, you know, we're not going to get into the negotiating on price or just just falling down a hole because actually it means, you know, if the, if the client or a prospect doesn't see the value in what we can provide, then we're not we're not the right people for them. And similarly, if we're trying to cut corners or cut cloth accordingly, that isn't going to give the client the results they achieve. They're going to be unhappy, and we're going to be happy because we're not going to get paid. So we're we're, we're but we're going to be honest. 
you know, we one uh, the other. We've got sort of four core values, and one of our, our values is um, is sort of honesty, um, but not just sort of honesty. It's, we're radically honest, right? So if, if we have a call with somebody and they say, "All right, I've got uh, five thousand pounds, and I want a complete rebrand. I want a business strategy. I want an acquisition person. Or I want some paid service." Sorry, it ain't it ain't happening. Um, you know, we can help help you figure out what it needs to look like, um, but yeah, you know, and we'll tell people straight because if 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 their ambition is out of kilter with their budget, or you know, we can we can help them readjust it. But um, yeah, we're not, we're not going to waste clients' time just taking their money for the sake of it. We'd rather well, we've, take we've, we've got examples of that already, haven't we? As well, in the fact yeah. that you know, we 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 pitched to one business and um, and then the the we we kind of you know we, we we gave it the cursory you know have you got it do you want to talk about it kind of chase and then through through a mutual acquaintance the the conversation was well, you really need to keep hunting this down because they've got a million and one things on their plate and actually we had a conversation about it stepped it back and said if they've got a million and one things on their plate they're very busy people if marketing and the proposal to hit a number of sales revenue isn't in the top 10 of those million and one things to do marketing isn't important to that business and actually the, the foundations to to go into that business are rocky from the start because they, they don't get it they're not invested into it so you're, you're on the back foot from the start and and you know we that's where we make a conscious decision to go actually probably not the right fit for us you don't have to understand it but it's got to be it's got to be in your top 10 because it's not in your top 10 why 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 well, hey, why are you spending money on it? The likelihood is you won't spend money on it because you don't actually fundamentally get it. I've worked yeah. in other businesses as well where they're just like, I don't really want to spend this money, but I've been told I've got to, and all I care about is you getting me the results. That's fine. You know, I'm quite happy with that approach because, you know, I'll go in and talk revenue and finance off the back of the marketing. They don't have to get it, like it, whatever, but they get excited by the end result. So, so yeah, it's, it's, inter- it's an interesting sort of scenario to be in, but, yeah, I think... We, you know, we, we want to work with businesses who, who, who get it, who get marketing, don't get it, but want it in reality. Yeah. I mean, this is it, isn't it? I was given a great piece of advice about five years ago, which is the most important job you've got as a business owner, bar none, is getting and keeping customers. Yeah. Dress, dress up however you want after that. That's the most important thing. Otherwise, nothing else happens. There are yeah. no other functions without the customers. And basically, that is marketing, right? So do you think, you know, we, we're now into the you know, January 2021, I was going to ask you for a crystal ball moment <laughs> and things have changed obviously since, since last week or have they? You know, is the opportunity even more so, uh, even more present now because this wild west has opened up for <laughs> freelancers and experts or is that a threat in that there are so many people now who may be coming out of jobs, out of roles, is, is there huge opportunity or is there a huge threat or is there a bit of both for people i think so, so for me there's both i think the the one undeniable truth about 2021 is change is coming so we might not know how it's going to shake out but the world is going to be very different this time next year than it is today and how it was last year so you know accept that fact that how you operate today isn't going to be how you operate next year i think there is opportunity. There's also risk. I think there's risk for people, there's risk for businesses. Um, you know, there was a piece in the news that I heard today from the FSB about, you know, small businesses at real risk. 
um, and you know us. We're recently self-employed. You know, there's there's no support for, for people like us. You know, we're we're um, you know we're covering this ourselves. So um, there's huge risk, and I think there's going to be huge risk amongst the smaller end of business uh, community. Um, obviously, the impact of that is you know loss of income, potentially loss of homes you know awful awful outcomes so that's that's the challenge of businesses and even for larger businesses right you know if people stop spending they're not going to buy your stuff whatever it might be um and then on the on the flip side obviously when businesses fold or they reduce or they just sort of hunker down people start losing jobs there's going to be redundancies and and it kind of it it snowballs so i think there's that's that's the risk and it, it feels inevitable i think the the economic um sort of chickens are going to come home to roost this year in one shape or another but at the same time we've we've had warning you know this has been going on since march last year it's it was it's inevitable that it's going to get worse it's how do you prepare so the opportunity is okay right how do i structure my business how do i um how do i set my stall out or how do i cut my cloth so that i can adapt or be flexible enough again going back to sort of the, my, my private equity days it's kind of you've got to have options you've got to have optionality about okay right i think this might happen so i can do that but if it doesn't then i can i can quickly go this way um the and then on the employer side i think there's going to be as the reduction in jobs more people enter the job market through redundancy or whatever there's going to be greater levels of sort of enforced self-employment so people, you know, in our position who are marketing, uh, you know, we've already seen, you know, some of our former colleagues, excellent marketers be made redundant. Um, so the option as they become less jobs is, is self-employment. Um, but again, we hope with the ING, certainly for that group of people, that if, if you want or if you're struggling to get a job, you've worked in good businesses, you know your stuff you're a bit nervous about setting up on your own you know we can help right we want to be the community we we want to put our arms around our our peers around people that are working our industry to help them succeed because um no matter how awful the economic situation is in this coming year businesses need to survive and they need to do that by like you say getting new customers and keeping their old ones and they need they're going to need to grow so um and again that's all going to be driven driven through marketing and through sales so I fundamentally believe, and Richard's exactly the same, that marketing is a function for growth for, you know, it can defend, it can help you defend your market share. And as the market shifts with people leaving or exiting or out of necessity or choice, that market actually for you, your business becomes bigger. So there's, yeah. there's opportunities to grow. So it's going to be a very, very dynamic market over the next 12 months. And I think it's how you how you set this stall out today um, that will help you navigate it. Yeah. I was I was just trying to just trying to make a few notes while you were talking there and I, everything is everything is like I say completely spot on and I think there are some undeniable truths Dave touched on one about how you operate today is not going to be how you operate tomorrow the undeniable truth is the furlough scheme has to end mm. at some point it's now at the end of April now it's being is being extended to at that point when it's end the undeniable truth is there will be swathes of brilliant marketeers being made redundant because the the reality is it's still the same mentality of the first yeah. department to go is marketing yeah. so from no fault of their own brilliant marketeers will be made redundant so so in a way covid covid means that our opportunity maybe 
has to be elongated because businesses might hop, might sort of not spend initially, might monitor and see what happens. So it's about us holding the nerves. The opportunity, which Dave's touched on, is that there's going to be brilliant talent out yeah. there. And actually, they might, they said, they might be forced into their own sort of employment. What they might not want to do is go out and lead gen. Actually, that's where we can help. And, and the, thing from the thing from a business point of view is they're going to have to market they're going to have to win customers or they're going to have to defend their businesses. Go right back to the war. You know, there's case studies where people who didn't advertise during the war didn't exit the war as, as, uh, as um, affluent as those who reduced yeah. but carried on spending. These businesses who cut their marketing functions or get rid of them need to do something but they're not necessarily wanting to put that back on the payroll. We had a conversation with a, with a prospect last week their response was, actually, this model really works because I get the skill and the expertise, but I don't actually get them on my payroll. So I can get them for a short period of time to do the job they need to do. I only pay for what I get out of it in terms of one day, two days, three days a week, whatever it is. But I get the right person. So I think that it's, um, I think that there's there's opportunity and there's there's sort of, there's, there's cause for a bit of sort of cautiousness but I think how we've set our business model up really works in the yeah, fact yeah. that we, we've got no fixed assets in terms of office space. Actually, yeah. to run our business is actually is quite a small cost. So, so you know, because it's a virtual business, um, and and I guess to touch on Dave's point, touch about the people, our brilliant marketeers, of you know, we work with might find themselves having to do this themselves and sell their own businesses. I think Dave coined the phrase, you know, we want this business to exist and nobody has to figure it out alone. Is actually, if I start my business today and I'm a PR expert or I'm a PPC specialist, how do I get leads? How do I get this? How do I do whatever? Just join the IMG and we will feed you. Yeah. Which is taking away the risk on both sides as well, isn't it? There, Because you were saying about, with, you know, talking about risk and reward and clients. The risk there is saddling themselves with resource they need to pay for. Yeah. You're helping to make sure they get what they need rather than tie themselves into great big you know, issues around employment law, everything else. You're just piloting people in and experts in as and when they need them. So that de-risks it nicely for them and keeps the flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just you don't just join the community. So obviously to run this business, we've got technology, we've got, mm-hmm. you know, assets and support we've got documents we've got legal um templates and yeah. you know, all of the stuff all of the work that we've done in the last three or four months to get this thing off the ground um once you sign up not only do you get access to the community into the to the group that we can sort of feed you with business but we also get the tech stack so you know we've got crm system we've got accounting software we've got you know, all, all sorts of stuff which you can again just parachute in and um you're off and running and how, how's the first couple of months been? What's the feedback been like? How's it been being your own bosses, guys? How do you feel? Okay, so on the on the bosses thing, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, Rich, but, you know, it's just... It, I, so I think it, it's really great. It's really great. I've done this before, and it was terrifying. But I think, you know, if I was doing it again on my own, I would be equally terrified. But doing it with Richard is it feels because i think particularly early on you know when we've basically got no income 
and you always get a bit like, oh, especially with Christmas has come in. And I think I had a call with Richard a few weeks after we'd started going, are we doing the right thing? Is this going to be all right? But just having, having Richard there, for me, it's just been so helpful just to have that other person to sort of bounce it off and we, 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 we G each other up. So there's I a, am absolutely great, loving it. There's a great song. And one of the lyrics in there is Up On Your Down Days. And actually, yeah. that's what works. Is that basically, Dave, Dave, and it works. Dave, Dave will ring and go, and I'm putting <laughs> off the walls, and they the table, and and then and, and it works vice versa. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I ran the edge of the den. I'm like, God, I'm a bit worried about our run rate. And he's like, Yeah, but what about what about what about? And I, I really <laughs> went, yeah, great, fine. This is good. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I, I, I same as you is that you know this is this feels safer than going it alone. And I think you know. What what I like about you know the relationship that Dave and I have, have got, and I and I'll use a I use a football metaphor is that, and I've used it to people in person. I don't know if I've said this to you, Dave, or not in reality. But I've said it about you. Is that you know we're we we we've both got sort of Nottingham kind of sort of backgrounds, and um, it's almost like it's almost like Brian Clough, <laughs> and actually you know one was a manager, one one worked for them. But actually, who was better than the other person? And actually, no one was actually better. They just brought different things to the party. And actually, the stuff which Dave does for our business, where I'm like, but yeah, I don't know how you've just done that, but that's brilliant. And, and likewise, I'd like to think it's the same. And actually, yeah. the two of us together work amazingly well. But actually, when Clough and Taylor departed and one went to Brighton and the other one went to Leeds and whatever, they failed separately, and actually, then they came back at Forest and took on the world. So, it, it, it's that that to me is you know it's really really good. I think from a business point of view, we've been. I don't think it's an under exaggeration to say we've been absolutely blown away by the response in the fact that we've not had one conversation where somebody's gone. This business model is pathetic and it doesn't <laughs> work. Actually, the conversation we've had is around. Where everyone's just got it, and I guess some of the barriers are attitudinal. I think in the fact that, and this is this is one of the things we need to kind of um, sort of break down, is that everyone's still in the same mantra, and it's it's in Bill, it's innate. So actually, you know, one of the dangers could be that you know we come out of COVID, you know, let's call it April first, and everyone goes right, everyone back to the offices. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's you know that's that's because it's in Bill, it's in, it's it's built into people. The conversation we're having people about our model is around recruitment. And actually, again, conversation last week was pretty much, I was going to go and recruit somebody for this role. But actually, you're just compounding the issue because actually, you don't need that person full-time. You need them six mm-hmm. months. Nobody's going to leave a job for six months, a full-time job to join you for six months. If you recruit them full-time, then they do that bit you needed them for. And then you're going, mm, do you want to just look at this? Because you're trying to fill their time up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the thing we need to, we need to break down is that the default answer is when I need something, I go out and I recruit full time. And I've touched on it before in this is that you're, you're then limited by your budget. You, you have a compromise on skills, hit budget. Actually, this is about what you need. What can you afford? And, and our proposals are very much that. You need a PR expert five days a week, right? It's going to cost you this. Can't afford that. In reality, do you need them five days a week? Mm-hmm. Because actually I think you can get the same benefit for three days a week. And, 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 and that PR expert is happy at three days a week because they've got all the clients to fill. The, the business is happy because, because they've got the person, they get, the, they get the results they need. But it's just, 
it, it's breaking down that that innate behavior of it's a cycle which businesses have been on since since businesses were invented you know I, I, I've been guilty of it in the past. You judge your success by how many people absolutely work for you. Oh, I've got a team of 20. And it's like, and actually, me and Dave talked about it the other day, is I've run big teams in the past. You know, these freelancers don't work for us, but I've got a team now of 20, which I can call upon. This is the biggest team I've ever run within six weeks, seven weeks of launch here. Um, and they may not all be available today, but I know that if I want a front-end developer, I can go and get one. I've got one. I can, you know, he's on our database. Go and speak to him. We know what he's going to charge. We know his availability. Job done. Mm. This is an amazing concept, and it and it's and and that's the, that's what we've got to get out to people is you know don't go and recruit a full-time um, conversion rate um, specialist. Actually, what you need them for? What's your budget? You can deliver that on this. Spot on. In that case, guys, I'll leave you to get on with the rest of your Monday. Dave, you've probably got some washing to put on, I think you said. I've got to walk the dog. Yeah, sure. well, yeah, wash, washing's actually already on. I need to hang it out now. But, uh, but yeah, thank, thank you for that, Greg. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, good chat. I hope it was um, slightly interesting introduction to what we're trying to do here with the Inspired Marketing Group. And, you know, we'd love to work with you. If you want to join the group, let us know. Uh, if you'd like to work with us, let us know. Go to the website, theingroup.co.uk. There's a form there. You can get in contact. And we'll uh, we'll say hello. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.